Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan, and it is 2.55 p.m. Eastern on January 1st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Oh, boy. New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Um, I'm feeling the effects of Oxy. I'm probably on it too long, but the pain in my shoulder has... um, Yesterday, two days ago, started getting much worse. So I have an appointment. My follow-up appointment with my doctor is on Tuesday before work, and uh, hopefully he doesn't tell me that there were, you know, something went wrong, or that we have to do more MRIs or X-rays or something, you know, detached. Or but but it does not feel good. So um, that's how New Year, the New Year is starting for me with health irritation. I don't want to call it a health concern, but it's certainly, you know, my knee surgery went very well. Um, By this point with my knee surgery, I was walking with a cane, doing stretching exercises and was not taking any pain medication. Uh, Right now, I don't have great mobility. I have a decent, a pretty solid amount of pain and I'm still taking painkillers, albeit much more limited, but it's the only thing that seems to work. Tylenol um, just sort of like makes it a slightly lesser pain, whereas the Oxy uh, kills the pain. So only taking two a day instead of the four a day that I was prescribed after the surgery, but uh, it's really the only thing that works right now. So hopefully we get good news um, on January 3rd. Uh, other than that, um, uh, yeah, I mean, same shit as, as what, five days ago? <laughs> Uh, the calendar has changed but the same thing I have a lot of shows coming up so um, can't stress this enough just buy tickets to these shows if you're in these areas that's all I can really say Uh, this is going to be a short episode just a a hello to start the new year but I just don't feel very well in in any way but um, yeah Long Island uh, this Friday and Saturday um, God willing, I will be, uh, feeling good enough to do the shows. Um, I mean, I'm going to do the shows. It's just a matter of, do I scream in pain after the 45 minutes I'm on stage or do I go, Hey, that felt pretty good. I am ready for a hour long on railroad to a half hour New York, uh, New Jersey transit train home, uh, after each show. But, uh, yeah, this Friday and Saturday, I'm at, uh, the brokerage in Belmore, Long Island. We've had some, some good crowds in the past. So hopefully, uh, you know, people, people listen to this. If you're a Long Island person, hopefully, uh, come to those shows. Um, January 19th, Pittsburgh Improv. Uh, so hopefully you're buying tickets, have bought tickets or plan on buying tickets very soon. Would love to have a decent showing. I had an okay showing, not a great one, but an okay showing in 2022, early 2020. No, I'm sorry, late 2021, but it was conflicting with a Steeler game. Literally the Thursday night, the one Thursday night game the Steelers had was the night I was performing in Pittsburgh. So hashtag JL Jinx, but, but Steelers stink this year and uh, they are certainly not going to be playing the night I'm there. Uh, so hopefully anybody who was on the fence or anybody who came and enjoyed themselves has already bought tickets again. Tell a friend, blah, blah, blah. Tell your friends who live in Pittsburgh, blah, blah, blah. Then we get to the big dogs, and these tickets are all available uh, February 7th. Oh, yeah, and February, I want to say February, February, February 3rd and March 2nd. I've got New Jersey shows, local, you know, one in Newark, one in Montclair. So that's if, if I have any kind of local 
fanboys or fangirls or fan non-binaries, uh, you know, come come see me uh, for a very cheap ticket. I think like five bucks, maybe ten bucks. Um, headlining uh, Newark on Friday, February third, and Just Jake's in Montclair. March ticket link not available for that one yet, but there is a ticket link on my website for the Newark show. Um, blah 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 blah. Then March third, Boston City Winery. So we always get a good good crowd in Boston. So always appreciative of that. So let's let's keep the streak going. And then ticket links not yet up for DC March nineteenth at the DC Improv. That's a Sunday, I believe it's March nineteenth, and then March twenty fourth, a Friday, City Winery in Philadelphia. So uh, you know, nice venues, good shows, all in preparation for the Hateful Eighth. Ticket links should be up in the next week or two for those shows, which are March 31st and April 1st at the Triad Theater. We'll be recording those. Um, and, uh, you know, I will probably just release those on my website. Um, that taping, you know, early summer. My goal is June 2nd, which would be the 20th anniversary of the first open mic I ever did. Um, so, yeah, there's... Sorry to bore you up top, but I feel like I got to make sure as many people know about these shows because... This is, uh, you know, I got to sell tickets. That's that's the bottom line. Um, I can complain all I want about nine different things, but selling tickets cures 75% of what ails my comedy career. It's not the cure-all for everything, but selling tickets. I've sold tickets in Boston and D.C., so they have me back. That's how it works. I didn't sell tickets in Utah. They don't reply to my emails. It's It's kind of no matter how well I do or how badly I want to perform someplace, this is the part of the business I do respect, which is you got to get results. So I, I always want to get. I, I, you know, you can you can make your claim for getting a shot with a club, but then once they give you a shot, you got to sell tickets. So Philly, Boston, D.C., Pittsburgh, Chicago, and New York City, uh, and and let's not forget Newark and Montclair, but to be honest, Newark and Montclair, they'll book me again, regardless of how well I do, because they have sort of a, you know, modest, modest expectations and good built-in fan bases, so obviously I want to do well and have fans see me if they want to see me, but those other venues are, are real must, must show-ups. Now, um, given my physical state and mental state, I've been watching a lot of content, and, uh, I finished Andor, um, which was very well made. And I think if I didn't have Star Wars fatigue, because Rogue One is my favorite of the new Star Wars by a mile. And it, and I argue, I've said repeatedly, I think Rogue One belongs in the conversation with the original three. A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. I think it belongs in those. I believe it is worthy to be just almost like a Mount Rushmore level. I think Rogue One was just phenomenal. I think most of the new, if not all of the new shows and movies fall far short of that standard. But Andor is, I think, written and created by the guy who did Rogue One. It it stars several real actors. Um, and it's a very mature kind of Star Wars show, if that makes sense, in terms of it's much more of like a political political spy kind of almost the way dark knight was a was really a crime movie just using comic book characters and um you know winter soldier was like a spy thriller but just happening to use 
Captain America, and that's why those movies were so good. It was almost like they were making great movies that use the characters, not not prioritizing the characters and the nerdiness over making a really kick-ass movie. And when you can merge those two, you get a really good product. So I feel like Andor was trying to do that, and um, maybe my expectations were different, or I was just not prepared to like focus the way I kind of wanted to focus. Um, but it felt it dragged a little to me. Maybe that's just, like I said, maybe that's just my expectations now for sort of Marvel and Star Wars type stuff. Um, I've been dumbed down a little bit and wasn't ready to rev up the brain and attention span. Um, but it's it's it was good. It's definitely well made for sure. And, and I liked the tone. But I think if and when they do a season two of Andor, I think I will give it the respect of a rewatch. Um, you know, maybe it was just you know, my mental state around the holidays and on medication that just had me not in a, in a perfect state of mind to, to enjoy it the way I would have. But I, you know, I definitely appreciate the the maturity and the, the, the work that went into it because it was a much more sophisticated product than a lot of these Disney shows, I think, have been. So I finished that. What did I finish on my own? Did I finish anything on my own? Oh, I tried The Periphery or The Peripheral with Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, cause I will, you know, now that she is significant, you know, cleared the bar of, of consent by, by many, many years, I will, I will give a, a, a chance to anything she's in, but it was, I don't dig it. I, I don't dig, I'm bored with like Southern white trash accents in movies, just the way like a Boston accent sort of turns me off from a project. There's certain accents that just become go-to dialects of the moment in, in Hollywood, and for a while, the Boston accent was the one that like, oh, well, uh, and then it's it feels like sometimes I see too much Southern, generic Southern trash accents. And I just couldn't, I watched two episodes and was just like, I don't care. Like I, this too much, it's, it's, I just, I guess this is well made, but I just was like, I don't, I don't care. So I'm, I'm not going to give you any of my time. So I, I have mowed down a lot of, uh streaming stuff. I have some stuff planned for my long trips coming up. Tulsa King, I feel like is a perfectly disposable sort of show with Stallone as like a mob boss or a, a mobster. Um, so there's just so, shows like that that I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll download that season. And that will be like my long train and bus ride show. And if I don't like it, so what I gave it, I gave it tablet treatment. Um, but if I like it, then it's like, oh, good. Thanks for making the train ride pass or the bus ride pass or the whatever vehicle I'm in. Um, but, yeah, I've made, I've made a lot of progress. I think we are going to finally get to Queen's Gambit as well as the new season of The Crown. And I think I may start Peaky Blinders. Oh, no, no, the show I'm going to start is C, uh, the Jason Momoa Apple TV series. That's one that she, the righteous girlfriend, doesn't care about and I, I'm interested in. Uh, I may quit on it or I may like it. But that'll be the one I watch. But I, I have to say, Apple TV, what they do really well is that that rigorous, just A-plus film quality they use just makes me want to watch their stuff a little longer. It's like it looks so good that I it takes a little longer for me to quit on an Apple show. And then I go, okay, I'm not really enjoying this. But thank you for the nice visuals. So I'll watch C and see how I like it. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, we watched one more thing. We, we we did it over the last two days. Blackbird with Taron Egerton and uh, was it Paul Walter Hauser or Paul Hauser? You know the 
he you know him from many things he's a very good character actor he's he gets to be like a psycho villain in this one but he's still kind of the psycho villain derivation of what he's been doing um which is kind of like a weird slow chubby guy but this is like this is a, 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 a much bigger bigger step away from what he's been doing which is a lot of the time kind of playing comic relief roles even in dramas um Taron Egerton is kind of going like full five foot eight American psycho in this movie. He's very jacked. Um, it was a little heavy handed in some of it, but it was an enjoyable watch. I don't think it was a great series, but it was in, it was good enough. Um, the pilot was probably, in my opinion, the worst episode of the series because it was just very heavy handed in, in terms of establishing him as this like swaggering, this swaggering super dude. Um, but beyond that, it was it was pretty solid. Um, and like I said, Apple shows just, they look better. Everybody's using 4K, but Apple uses that 4K plus or whatever the fuck they use to make their shit just look a, a little better. So, um, that was good enough. I don't regret watching it. So I'd say, you know, I made it through. It was only six episodes, but I made it through with a, a thumbs up instead of the periphery, which was just like, eh, sorry. I just, I give you like a sideways thumb and I don't give a shit. Um, I'm not invested or interested in like learning more or seeing where this goes. So there are your reviews. Um, I wish I had more interesting things. I think it was fitting that the Utah Jazz last night, um, about 15 minutes before midnight, um, made a six-point comeback in like 30 seconds and then lost on a buzzer beater three. I thought that's about right for for a JL brand team. Um, loving Laurie Markkinen. But hey, you know what? Like I said, when I bet... $200 on Will Hardy to win coach of the year at plus 4,500. I thought only one of, one of two things is going to happen with the JL jinx. Either my team's going to get jinxed, Will Hardy's going to win 50 games and get coach of the year, and I'm going to get some money. Or the Lord looketh down upon his creation and say, oh, I can't have JL making money. I guess JL's got to tank the Jazz, and then we get a higher draft pick. So right now, we're like 10th in the West, so we wouldn't, we I think, make the play-in tournament, but we're on the cusp of being bounced from the play-in tournament, which means lottery pick, which would be a good thing. And the Minnesota Timberwolves would also have a lottery pick. So we would have two lottery picks plus a bunch of traded picks um, in a what I hear is a very talent-rich draft. Obviously, there's a couple players at the top of it who are sort of franchise-changing behemoths. But but even underneath that, I'm told there's a, there is a deep a deep year in the draft. So... You know, I guess the future is bright for the Jazz one way or the other, and if it costs me losing $200 to tank their season so they could get a good draft pick, I think Jazz Nation would actually thank me. Um, if I'm being honest, I'd like to see them make the playoffs, and I'd like to win $9,000. That's that's what I'd prefer. But if I can help my team out, if the Jazz Jinx can be used for good, if the J, excuse me, the JL Jinx can be used for good for the Utah Jazz franchise, then by all means, Jinx away. So um, I wish this was less of a sort of I shut up cookie please. Really? Really? What's what's bothering you? What's bothering you? We're just doing a podcast. My career is over. Will be over soon enough. You don't have to get too upset. These people won't buy tickets to my shows. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that on the mic? Hot mic. But Cookie, just give me a break. I feel like shit. Um, Cookie, by the way, today, seven years since I got Cookie. So how about that? There she is. 
helicopter noises. Um, seven years ago, we adopted Cookie, and uh, I have uh, I have only regretted about two and a half years of that seven years. So that's pretty good, I think. Good job, Cookie. You got a winning record in my book. Um, I would open the door, but my shoulder, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, recently surgically repaired or damaged. We're not really sure right now, and we'll find out on Tuesday. Not afraid of blah, blah. See, I don't even have Iran Reagan for you guys. This year is starting off horribly, isn't it? I don't even have, is the Ron Reagan, what if the Ron Reagan is like in my shoulder, you know, like, like that's my heater. That's what I throw the hundred mile per hour fastball Ron Reagan Jr. impression. And with the shoulder shut down, uh, I don't even have a Ron Reagan ready to go for you guys. But, um, I do have a Patreon. So that's that, um, in other news. Um, yeah, the Patreon has some good stuff, including the top 10 movies of the year, according to me podcast and uh, a lot of videos still up there that, that are exclusive to the, to the Patreon. So, Hey, if you stole some money over new year's Eve and feel like spending four or $7 a month, um, go for it. I encourage you. I endorse my Patreon and I approve this message, but let's just get to the, the part that I can't really share all of it with you because it's attorney client privilege, but I finally spoke with a, an entertainment lawyer after all these months, I finally said, let's do it. And if you're still listening to this, I wish I could laugh right now because I do see the humor in this. But I have to send an email tomorrow concerning contract negotiations or the contract that will dictate the the terms of my special half blackface after 14 plus months uh, will dictate the terms of that getting pitched. Now, the conversation I had with my attorney was very sobering. And for anybody who asked that dumb question, but JL, you're an attorney. Okay. If you have a tumor, do you go to your dermatologist and say, can you help me? No, you don't. And the law is much like that. Unless you are a country lawyer who handles everything in town from bankruptcies to real estate to marriage licenses to your, your, bu- your boy Sonny got arrested for drunk driving. I'll represent him down. I know the judge very well. Unless you're that kind of lawyer, you generally end up specializing like law school after law school is like or a clerkship is the best time to ask a, a, a young lawyer or law student general knowledge. After that, you basically sort of become specialized. Now, on top of that, I'm not a very good lawyer. So that further impedes it. But if I were, I have no experience whatsoever in negotiating or drafting or dealing with contracts, especially in the entertainment space. So it would make no sense for me to just be like, oh, I'll I'll look over this. No, get somebody who's an expert. That's my best legal advice to anybody who asks me for legal advice is get a better lawyer. Um, So I talked to this guy and it was very sobering and very useful. Um, It was it was it was just I don't use this word often seriously, but it was somewhat empowering because I felt like I had, you know, gained a giant chunk of knowledge from this guy, both about my career and about this, some of the the documents we were looking over. Now, the short end of this story, without divulging too much, is that I need certain terms changed in the contract. And if those are changed, then we move ahead and hopefully my special will be on pace to be released or sold in February. If the terms, you know, if we don't come to an agreement... I think there is a much greater chance that I will be back at square one with this special, having, 
you know, spent now almost eight months. Wait, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Seven and a half months to this point. So it'll be eight months in a, in a week or two. Um, on the second taping. So we have to, you know, hopefully all this works out and we move, we move. I mean, none of it's worked out, obviously, but, you know, consolation prize worked out. But there is a, um, yeah, there's, I think there is a, a better than 0% chance that like next week when you hear this podcast, I might have um, uproariously hilarious, tragic news about the fate of, of half blackface. So uh, I feel good with knowledge. Um, I don't feel good because my shoulder, I can barely sit for a half hour doing this without my shoulder starting to hurt. Um, it's, uh, but yeah, that's just your update. Um, we'll see. Obviously, I'm not going to give any details or, or anything, but uh, I have to, you know, basically propose some changes. And if those are, if those are, just put it this way, if, if, if I can't get the changes made, then I'm in a position where my special will cost me, not make me, cost me several thousand dollars. Like I will lose money if these, so in other words, I need these terms changed or else that's it. Like we don't have a deal. So it's, it's kind of an odd, obviously, scenario. But it is obviously, I see the humor in the fact that after what may be a 16 to 18 month process, me losing money on this would be the, the most hilarious, tragic way for it to end. Um, but obviously, I'm not going to sign off on that. So we got to we got to figure, you know, uh, discuss some more terms and, and come to uh, an agreement of some kind or, or not. But that's it. That's I know I know you probably wanted a new year, new JLC, but my shoulder's killing me. My comedy career is suffocating me. And there's, you know, potential for, and as odd as this is, it feels like there's almost a potential for a setback on Half Blackface to start the year instead of progress. Um, I didn't think you could have a setback from zero, but it, apparently um, I, I could be in a position to be less than zero um, on, on my first special. So, um, it's disheartening, um, and the, the the conversation with the attorney also. To, we discussed um, my my albums. I'm probably just going to have to resubmit my albums either using CD Baby again or another uh, platform. This was less legal advice and more just business acumen, but um, probably just going to have to submit them again. So, you know, he was like, "Oh, you'll lose." I don't know if this is important, but you'll lose all your streams and everything. So I'll lose. Like I had albums with hundreds of reviews and stuff, so I'll lose that. Um, it's, it's not the way I wanted my year to end or my year to begin by basically finding out that my six albums will lose their history. if I can get them back up, that's, I think an if, but, but a strong if, but it's still an if. So my six albums that represent the first 15 years of my stand-up career are in limbo. My new special is in tremendous limbo. Rush Limbo. Um, so it's it's uh, like after talking to the attorney, I just I just realized he was describing me certain certain things in the business about how even big big comics are are putting up their specials on on YouTube 
in some ways to avoid a lot of the business pratfalls and and requirements of of getting a special like if a special is not being made by netflix or hbo if they aren't fronting it doing all the work and and promoting it themselves or showtime then it's like you're you're looking at a one in a million chance um otherwise it could be a costly venture or not worth it so it's it's a that's just sort of the comedy landscape and do i think i had a one in a million special in october of 2021 yes that's why I was like conf as confident as could be while having no faith in this industry. I, I really did think I had a, a one in a million product. Now I have like what I would call like a one in uh, 250,000 product. Still very rare, but not one in a million. Not the cachet or the uh, elite level of a one in a million. But we'll see what happens. But I have uh, very low expectations, even lower expectations now for Half Blackface. Um, I got to figure out how to get my albums back up online in the next month or so. I have a bunch of shows, which, which, you know, if past is prologue, I won't sell well, but hopefully I do. Cause I'm, I, I'm, this is the one thing that is motivating me is that I have a special taping at the end of March or beginning of April, which is, you know, both really good material, but almost equally important will, will, won't allow half blackface to be the last thing I do as a comedian. So um, it's important to me. I hope you enjoy it. I hope if you know people in cities or if you are in those cities, you can buy tickets. Uh, it will be good stuff. And uh, But I, I thought I'd be more cheerful. I thought my shoulder would be feeling better. I think that that's probably having some impact, you know, like physical health impacting mental health. But it's, you know, this is a comedy podcast or a, a dramatic podcast about a comedy career. Um and man, it was, but I got, I, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade the, the phone call with the lawyer. I mean, I, I, it opened my eyes and gave me some, some clarity and also some, some wisdom uh, about what I'm, what I'm dealing with right now. So that was, uh, that was great. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And, uh, it didn't cost me an arm and a leg, which is also good, but, um, yeah. So unfortunately, you know, and I, it's always fun when people ask me about the special. I'm like, oh, you're one of those fans who doesn't doesn't listen to my shows. Gotcha. <laughs> but um, this this has got to be it, you know. Uh, my body's breaking down. Like everything, everything that sort of gave me pride or joy in life uh, over the course of my life is sort of falling apart. I always took pride in my fitness and and being built well and. My body's breaking down, and, and now even basic surgeries are turning into problems. Uh, comedy, obviously, was, was a, an escape valve during a depressing time in law school. And I've had to watch my comedy career go through something that I just never... I didn't think, it would, I, I, didn't think I could actually get where I wanted to get and see it slip away so quickly without me actually sort of getting what I thought. I Like a manager, an agent, a tour, any kind of like chance to really get something out of the burst of fame that I had. Um, but it is what it is. And I'm just, it's, it's this, this, I didn't half blackface, I think could have broken me if it was half as bad an experience as it's been. But, but, um, the only thing I can say is I'm very thankful to have my eyes open and to be looking at it very clearly. Um, as, as, as pessimistic as it has made me for the for the hope for the special, it's 
It's giving me clarity, which, hey, if, if you have to choose between clarity and being disappointed and being confused and disappointed, I'll take clarity and disappointment. And that's what I think I have now with regards to my comedy uh, career. So I did have somebody write to me and I blocked them on Twitter. And I think they were a longtime follower, but I, I there are certain things I, I cannot, I can't take, which is... I posted a really good joke about George Santos, and this person's response was, you or Sarah Cooper should work on a George Santos. And I just said, you're blocked. I didn't write to them. I didn't say anything. It was it was a double tap to the back of the head. It was a Sopranos finale, lights out for them as far as my Twitter uh, is concerned. Because I just thought, my God, I that was the beginning of the end for me, and yet I can't escape an association with it. With the lip sync. It's it's an amazing torture. Um, and I know this maybe sounds dramatic to you guys, but, it, but it's... If you've been listening long enough, you've heard me chronicle my fun and tragedy of along this way. But it, but it is... Um, TikTok and lip sync was, was the final horseman of the jail comedy apocalypse. And... It's very weird to like I don't I don't understand why a fan I, I just will never understand how so many people just thought you because I don't dig deep into your but even if you don't dig deep into my catalog, so to speak, which no longer exists thanks to some mysterious licensing issue, but when it was available or the thousands of videos I have on YouTube of impressions, sketches, and stand-up, to be compared three years later to an open micer who did a dozen minute-long lip-sync videos will forever baffle me. That, like, the idea that your go-to is to mention somebody from... I, I, I don't... I don't even have the words to articulate it. And I know I should just let it slide. I, I shouldn't. And I did. I didn't say anything to person. I simply blocked them without comment or, or, or criticism or insult. But it's, I just don't, I don't get it. And I know when my career is over, the biggest torture, I'll have to just shut it all out. Because the biggest torture will be the people who, who because we, we dwelled in the same shit, shit seller of comedy thought that they were where I was like it's and that's that's pride that's ego but that every every I don't know I don't want to say anything I'll regret but 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 come see the farewell tour I guess is what I should be saying because it will take a fucking miracle for this not to be a farewell tour I will have to sell more tickets than I than I do um, and I will have to have my special or specials garner some sort of recognition that just seems absolutely impossible. So that's it. That's how we kick off this year. Um, if this has to be, if this has to be a painful year to get me to a happy 2024, so be it. Thank God. Um, but this, 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 blip of success that I created for myself has been, it's been, it only raised my expectations beyond what they should have been. Um, and that just was, that led to disappointment. So, you know what? 
that's the episode. I'm not going to delete this one. That's that's just the truth. Um, and I know it doesn't sound like a lot of gratitude, but if 2023 is the year that I can finally, you know, after 20 years, put comedy behind me, it didn't solve my problems. It didn't make me happy. Um, the industry never sort of gave me a chance. No agent or manager ever, ever so much as showed me a courtesy, um, let alone a business relationship. And then I cultivated a fan base that just didn't consist mostly of people that I needed, the type of fan I needed. I, hey, if you're bored and you like impressions, great. You boosted me for a little bit, and I, I, I should say thank you. But the impressions were always a side hustle or, a, or, or one of the tools in my tool belt of comedy. But I'm not a fucking hack. And I can't, you know, Jay, Jay Nog had said to me one time before taping of making podcasts great again he said if you could just stop being and he was he, he, he was saying it tongue-in-cheek but if he said if you could stop being you and just sell out a little bit and do these impressions and do like what you know these tiktok reels of like here's 60 here's 15 impressions in 90 seconds and make it about like hey here's 10 of your impressions reviewing a movie and i was like if that's what the world needs let them have it i'm not going to give it to them i don't I have a law I have a day job as a lawyer if I want to just make money doing something for someone else. Comedy I will I will not do comedy if it requires me to sell out. I don't even like doing Trump anymore. It feels it doesn't feel authentic anymore. It feels forced. It feels stale and overdone. Um which it is. I take pride that I think I was able to do it longer than 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 anybody while doing it fresh and having my fucking Clearly, my ideas uh, borrowed or or or, or um, adapted by bigger platforms, but I don't even want to do that anymore because it doesn't feel it feels like a paycheck. The only reason I'm doing the Trump stuff still is to keep the eyeballs and earballs of people who followed me engaged, so that when my special comes out, I can directly reach those people. I have been doing. Making podcasts great again for 11 more months than I intended because my special was going to come out in February of 2022. And then I would be able to decide. I would say, hey, I don't need, I've converted enough fans. I've gained enough new fans that now I can move on to other projects and stop doing projects that bore me, um, regardless of whether I'm good at them or not. That's my choice. But like continuing to do some of the things I'm doing on a weekly basis are literally that's why it's, it feels like such a cruel joke like until the special comes out i'm stuck tap dancing like a fucking idiot on things i don't want to do just so i could because because whenever i post hey sign up for my newsletter or listen to my other podcast zilch nobody nobody takes up that call of action so the trump podcast still has anywhere between 4,000 and 12,000 listeners a week, depending on the fucking stats you look at, but thousands, many thousands of listeners, regard, like whatever. Bad week is 3,000, okay? that A, a, a good week for, for Righteous Prick is 1,000. So there's already that huge gap of people who just want to hear me do Trump and don't give a fuck what I say. That's their right, of course. But that means there's a huge gap in reaching those people. And when I say, hey, guys, don't trust the social media algorithms. If you want to know when my special comes out or know when I'm performing live in your city, please sign up for my newsletter. And five people, maybe, maybe 12 people in a good month sign up. So 
I have to keep doing these things because I would I'd like to sell as many copies of the special if I have to release it on a on a pay pay per view sort of uh, choice. But the truth is, what I just told you basically the ugly truth is, unless I'm doing Trump, even my own fans, even the people who sign up for my the Patreon of Trump Pod or listen to Trump Pod, who who really download it and listen and and enjoy that, they don't. Even my fans don't actually care about anything else I do. So the sooner I get out of that space, the sooner I can either just live a happy life or build a fan base that's different, that cares about good stand-up and, and other things and commentary. Um, but I'm stuck. I really thought I was... I'm not saying I would have quit 11 months ago, but I would have had the choice. I would have had the choice to say, oh... I don't have to do this anymore because my career is over or my career has blossomed in a different direction. And I've given this podcast, you know, four years. We're entering our fifth. We're about to March will mark five years of doing making podcasts great again. I'm, I'm proud of what I've done and what I've been able to do despite not wanting to do with it, despite not being happy with several things associated with the show. But the only reason I'm still doing it is because I just said, oh, I'll, when my special comes out. And it's almost like this this Greek tragedy punishment of like, oh, but, but my special's never coming out. So does that mean I have to continue doing things I don't want to do ad infinitum because it's the only way I can reach my fans who don't take up any other call of action to support or follow my comedy career? So you're left with like appeasing fans who maybe don't really give a shit about anything besides this one thing you're doing. And that's okay. But I always thought that my humor and skills came through in the Trump podcast more than just like, he does a funny voice. There's a lot of guys on TikTok having a lot of success with minimal comedy IQ, with minimal non-hacky shit, but they can do some really good voices. And it seems like that's... the. Very few people on on average seem to get, I could read the phone book or I could do the greatest parody in the world. And if I do both things in the voice of Trump, it feels like 90% of my quote unquote fans will find them equally hilarious and equally worthwhile. And that's a problem for me. Um, but yeah, the farewell tour. You know, I, I hold out. Mir miracle asterisk if a miracle happens with either of my specials in the first seven months of 2023 i reserve the right to continue doing comedy and growing my comedy career but what would you do if you were me listener like if this were happening at your like like you know i take incredible amount of pride in the work i've done and the way i've gone about it i'm not a fucking sellout I'm not an ass kisser. Maybe that makes me seem rough or moody or difficult. But something in, in the stand-up comedy world has changed. Like hacks are thriving. Successful people are insulated and kind of grandfathered in to a permanent level of success. And the growth industry seems to be in sort of generic, hacky, TikTok-driven acts. Um and that neither of those is me. I'm I'm somebody who has just tried to make really, really good material. 
Um, I think I've succeeded. I think I've been um, prolific and, and of a high quality. But I ain't doing this. This isn't, I'm not doing this to just put good spirit into the universe or some fucking hippy dippy shit. Uh, I want people to hear my stuff and I'd like a career out of it. And if people don't, if the, if the fans I already have don't care and I can't reach a new fan base, then that's the end of the road. Um, and I think this year will just be, you know, a painful process of, of just adjusting and, and, and learning to, to accept that I gave it my best. I had some real highlights and at the end of the day, I don't know if I have six months, six years, or six decades left, but comedy is 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 a is a waste of that of of the breath I have left in my body. Um and this is like I always joke, this message isn't for you guys, because you guys are fucking listening. <laughs> That's the irony. Like the people who listen to this um can rest assured that you have my gratitude, my appreciation. Um, for whatever role you had in elevating my career, in making me a more relevant comedian, in hearing me do one thing and deciding that it was worth hearing me do other things and then enjoying those other things as well. Uh, so, you know, as much as this is always like a mournful lament, it, you you listening to this have my appreciation and my gratitude for sure. Um, and I hope you I, ha I hope I have your understanding that I am not, I rarely call myself an artist because it feels pretentious and I like the, I like the false image. I feel like I embody the false image that stand-up comedy has of itself, which is as somebody just interested in making people laugh and being authentic, um, being a little naughty, but not an edgelord, not a douchebag, not a bad person, not a hack. And that's the space I've tried to, to, to perform in and write in and, and be. And it feels like a limbo. It feels like a purgatory right now. I know I've made that analogy. But, but you know, with my physical health just making me unhappy and, and with some, some very important and, and, and interesting insights into the business, both at large and as it pertains to me from this entertainment lawyer, um, you know, I, I don't know what else there is to do. Um, and I'm not really interested in finding out. Like, I feel like I've pushed myself to my, my sanity trying to make it in this business and the business doesn't want me and that's okay. Cause I don't think I want the business either. I just, I want to make people laugh and do it well enough um, and connect well enough with people that I can make a living off it, but I don't think that's the case. Um, to be fair, 2022 was my third most lucrative comedy year of my career, after, of course, 2020 and 2021. But if the trends, if my finances from comedy continue on the current three-year trajectory, 2023 will not be my fourth most lucrative year. It will slip behind 2019. Or 2018, excuse me, 2018, because one big factor is my albums have disappeared from the internet. So I'm not getting, I'm not getting the fifteen to twenty thousand dollars average streaming royalties that I've been getting since 2015. Um, so that's one thing. I'm not getting the bookings that I, uh, I I thought I'd be getting. 
cameo is dried up as is as is expected that's like like cameo felt like a cool thing but like by the time that dried up i'd either be super successful or well known for other things and then cameo would pick up from a different direction or i just wouldn't need cameo but my youtube channel you know has has dropped in um you know by like 80 percent in revenue so it's and I'm, I'm not saying these to brag or to be embarrassed i'm if you told me what i would be making on cameo and youtube in 2018 i was saying oh shit that's awesome I'm that much closer to quitting my job, but the trajectory is the problem. It's it's a it's a steep downward trajectory that being on billions or recording a great special clearly have not been able to create new revenue streams or new avenues of interest, partly because the special isn't even out and billions I didn't have a manager or an agent to sort of pimp me out with like, hey, my client got on this show. We should get him some more auditions as a douchey finance bro. I kind of predict my own demise too often on this show, but I said what's going to happen with Billions, unfortunately, is that it'll be cool. People will congratulate me and it'll go nowhere because I have nobody getting me new roles or new auditions or anything because I can't get an agent or a manager to return an email by me or from somebody they know. So I rehash all that to just say bye-bye. Not right now, but it's, like I said, we can all pray or hope or put out good energy for some sort of miracle, but half blackface, I didn't think there was any more bad news that I could get about the special. Now, finally, this was bad news, but but good. If if there's a, such a thing as good bad news, this was good bad news because it was it put me in a place of knowledge. May not have been the knowledge I wanted, but but there has been this like year of confused fog and disappointment whereas at least now i can just sort of say okay here's where i stand we'll see what happens with this and if great things don't happen from either of these specials as they probably won't then i'm glad you guys enjoyed what i did um i hope you enjoyed the albums and 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 other things and and the podcasts and videos and i appreciate it um because i know there are plenty of people who really like what i do and, and and are the type of fans that I wish I had a hundred thousand of instead of like fifteen hundred of. But that's still fifteen hundred people that I deeply appreciate and, and thank. Um so as depressing as this episode might have been, I mean it. The the two sentiments to start the new year from the Righteous Brick Podcast are thank you for your ongoing support. It is appreciated. And it's uh, 20 years is, is long enough to, to strive at something um, and fail. So fingers crossed, prayer emojis for half blackface and for the untitled hateful eighth recording. And I hope to see you at some shows because you'll see you'll hear some good material as if you've been to shows before, you know, you will. If you've never been to a show, hope you can make it or spread the word Um but I hope you all have a, a happy new year. I hope uh, you are all safe and that your goals uh, that you've set for yourself this year, if you have, I hope you accomplish them. Um, and uh, that's it. So thank you for listening, and I will see you next Tuesday.